I want to talk to you about the rejoice principle or getting you to uh, a perspective from panic mode to meaningful perspective, faith perspective. It's part of the Close of Our Minds series. I want to try and uh, talk to you about how your thoughts can come into line when something bad has happened. In my college days, now, when you say college days, I don't mean my first time. I was doing my master's degree, so I was supposed to be mature at this time. And um, as we were doing my master's degree, me and my friends got into the habit of scaring each other, that we would be in the library concentrating, and then all of a sudden we'd come up behind people and go, Wah! and scare people. And uh, it was even worse in the library because you're supposed to be really quiet. And one day, I got my friend really good because I crouched down behind some of the um, bookshelves as he was walking by. Now, we thought this was hilarious, but looking back on it, I just think I was annoying. And Kathy said to me, you know, sometimes men, do they ever really get past the age of 14? Really? Kathy's saying no from the front row. But anyway, I crouched down and I leapt out and barked at him like a dog. And it made him jump and dropped all his books. He made a big noise. And I rolled over on my back and was laughing. But the librarian came running. And from her perspective, she thought I'd had a heart attack. And straight away, she pulled out her mobile phone. It was in, in the United States. And so she called 911 straight away. And we said, oh, no, no, no. She had the wrong perspective, which Kathy wants me to remind you was totally my fault, by the way. She had the, the wrong perspective, and she panicked. I wonder if... There are some historical triggers. She actually told me later on that her, in her family there had been some heart problems, and she was really jumpy about that. I wonder if there are some historic issues that make you afraid every time you see something, or that you interpret some things always in a certain way because you have had some things that knock you off guard. My mother was uh, strangely afraid of elephants and elephant figures. She had a superstition, actually. She wouldn't eat in a restaurant if they had elephants there. Uh, and, and it's just kind of a weird superstition that she had. I wonder if you've got some triggers. I wonder if, you know, you look at some of your lives and say, oh, that's really silly, but you've got your triggers, and you've got some things that trigger you off. There's a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is your fight-or-flight response. It, it, it pumps your body with adrenaline if it feels like it's in danger. It's reactionary. It's not really rational. I'm going to talk you through a process today to get you from that panic mode to a perspective, but, you know, I want to talk you through a process that's going to work for you, because don't you find, I don't know whether you, I find it too, isn't it annoying when something happens to you and somebody says, oh, cheer up, and, and, and you're not ready to be cheered up yet? You're not, you haven't walked through the process yet. You're not ready to do that process. Today, we're going to describe a journey or a, pr a process that will take you from panic 
to perspective, a mindset and a set of thoughts that you need to have and what you can see in God. And, and in theory, you will agree with everything that I want to say. It's whether or not you can take the bungee jump and commit. In theory, you're going to say, yeah, I, I, I get what Pastor Mark is saying. I'm not going to say anything controversial today. But you're going to, it's whether or not you can commit to it. That's going to be the issue. It's whether or not you're going to tick this sermon off and say, well, that was neat, that was clear, or whether or not you're going to jump with me. I'm going to walk through, you, through with you a process which will always get you there to a godly and good mindset perspective if you do it. So are you with me, church? Are you ready to jump? Okay, it's not a big jump. It's a small jump to start off with. First thing is, do you remember Elijah? And uh, he got to a place of his life of exhaustion and panic. He got to a, a place where, if in 1 Kings 19, verse 4, it says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he isolated himself. He came to a broom brush, and he sat down, and he prayed this, that he might die. I have had enough, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. To get to the first step along this process about having the right perspective, really, we need to do what Elijah should have done, is remember what his name means. Elijah means Yahweh is my God. And his name means that God is always with him. That actually the Lord is near. The first step of getting to the right mindset and moving out of panic is to remember God's presence. The Lord is near. He's here. He's here right now in this room. He's here right now in your living room. He's here. And actually, you might say, well, that's pretty obvious, but actually, we sometimes uh, almost live as if God is like a deist, you know, that he's wound up the universe and now he's not interested in it. God is so involved, and he really is present with us. You know, a few moments later after this, uh, this gasp from Elijah, it, it, God calls him out on the Mount Horeb, and there's a wind, and there's a fire, and there's an earthquake, and it says God isn't in that, but it says God is in a gentle whisper or a still small voice. You know why God whispers? Because he whispers to the people he wants to be near to. When you whisper to somebody. Somebody has to lean in to hear you. That's because he wants you to be close. He wants you to know that he's near. And until you recognize his presence as the foundation, you, you won't go on the journey. Read with me Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 4 through 7. And it's on your version app. If you don't know how to use that, please, we're going to make a video to explain that. But get the version app. All the notes are on there. But Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. That sounds like my mother. I have to say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. 
The Lord is near. Hey, come closer to me in your spirit. Maybe lean forward in your seat. The Lord's here. He's right here, right now. Amen? He's here. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord is near you. Your experience plus God's presence is going to be enough. He's going to be enough to get you through. The first step of understanding is to recognize God's presence that the Lord is near. Psalm 145, verses 17 through 19 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He's faithful in all that he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cry and he saves them. First of all, whatever's happened to you, if you're watching at home, whatever is happening to you, right now, God is present. He's here. He's with you. It's the foundation. You can never go from his presence. If you run to the morning, he's there. If you go to the darkest depths of night, he's there. The Lord is near. And You see, why this is important to move you along in this process, moving to a deeper perspective, if you don't recognize God's presence, you won't talk to him. I don't know whether you've ever given anybody the silent treatment or turned your back on somebody. I'm sure that you haven't. I know that in a marriage, it's the hardest thing. We're not confessing right now, by the way. It's the hardest thing if you're not speaking to each other that you're not recognizing each other's presence. So you know they're there, but you're not speaking. If you don't recognize God's presence, you won't, speak, you won't speak to him. And actually, your perception and your perspective will remain negative, and it will defeat you if you don't start speaking to God. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to not to God. Listen to me. If it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it's big enough for you to worry about it, it's big enough for you to pray about it. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. You see... The second step in moving towards a great perspective is to pray. Now, you're going to say, Pastor Mark, this is baby Christianity. But I wonder how many people, you you have a time of prayer, but you don't live a life of prayer. And you've got to start talking to God, recognizing that he's there all the time in every situation. That's what the Bible says, in every situation, not just your quiet time. You see, you've got to keep it simple. In, in Jesus' hardest time in the Garden of Gethsemane, we hear him say, Abba, Father, Daddy. 
We, we, don't, we don't hear him addressing God by all the Hebrew names for Yahweh or, or all of his characteristics. He just cries out and says, Father, I need you right now. You see, this verse, present your requests, can be translated simply, let your requests be known to God. Tell him. There's an old uh, American gospel uh, hymn, gospel song that says, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. Just tell him what you want, what you really, really want. I mean, tell him. Come on. I know this is like basic Christianity, but unless you recognize that he's there and unless you start talking to him more, you're never going to get the right perspective. You see, consistently praying is going to change the way that you process things. Now, you're going to expect me as a pastor, you're going to say, well, pastor's supposed to tell us to pray. Of course that, but what about a scientist? Dr. Caroline Leaf, who's a neurologist, she has been brain scanning people who pray. And she has come uh, with the evidence that if you pray for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks, that actually she can take a brain scan of your, your brain before you start, and after the eight weeks you pray 12 minutes a day, it can change the shape and the traces and the grooves in your brain. See, a pastor's going to tell you to pray, but the scientist's going to say, actually, it will change the way you think. Recognize his presence. Pray. Take your situation to God. Now, not, not, some of our prayers are what I call worrying out loud to God. And, and of course, as Kathy reminded me, you know, God, he really does want to hear your worries. And, and sometimes you need to have that kind of anguished debate with him. But, but as you go through that process, you also need the type of praying where you leave it with God. And I want to uh, say to you, I don't know whether you could get a God box and, and where you could take your requests to God and you could say, I'm putting my request, my request for that relationship, and you can write it down. In fact, I want to encourage you to get a God box. One of my friends, she has got a God jar, and, and she can see all of her requests in there and say, well, they're still in there. They're still with God. And you could write down that relationship that's difficult, that thing that's, that's bothering you, and you, you fold it up and you put it in your God box, and you leave it with him, because what you're saying is, you're in control of this now. I'm taking my hands off it. Kathy was, was reflecting with me about this, and she was saying, you know, when the people in the Old Testament, they took their uh, sacrifices to the temple, they, took, they put their sacrifices on the altar, and it would be really strange, wouldn't it, to say, can I have my sheep back now and walk out with it? No, they left it there on the altar. Can I have my grain offering back? And No. What you've got to do is you've got to write your request down to God, that request for your job, that request for that, that time that you, that you really want to be healed from. And you've got to fold it up. You've got to give it to him. And you've got to put it into his hands. And you've got to say, you're in control of it now, God. 
And if you mention it, you mention it from the perspective of saying, it's in your hands, it's in your control, that, that I'm trusting you with this, that you are now, you, it's now yours, you're bigger than this issue that I've given to you, and that's how I'm going to think about it from now. I'm not going to be thinking about it in a way that takes it back off you. In fact, if you're tempted to take your issue from God, as you take it out of your God box, why don't you say out loud, I don't trust you with this God, I can handle it. And as you say that out loud, I am convinced that you will put it back in your God box and say, actually, Lord, it's safer with you than it is with me. You have to start praying and giving God the things that are on your mind. If it's on your mind, it's on his heart. You see, this process of you praying in a way where you actually give things to God will help the flow of your mind. It will, it will change you so that you become what Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 6 says. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Praying helps your mind. It releases your mind from holding too much weight. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Step one, his presence is always there. If I want you to breathe that with me, as, come on, preach along with me. Say, the Lord is near, just in your spirit right now. The Lord is near. Step two, prayer that gives it to God. Now, you may have anguish prayer, you may have a conversation with him, but eventually you've got to do, get to the point where you give it to God. Are you ready for step three? Amen in the house? Yeah. Somebody on the feed say, I'm ready for step three. Because step three is really important. You have to begin to start to praise God for who he is and not what he does. And praise him before the provision, not after the provision. Praise after the provision is almost like spiritual entitlement. It's almost like, well, I'm only going to praise you, God, when you've done something for me. If you praise him before he does anything, things open up. This process moves you. If praise is before... When you praise him, he shows up. Can I read you a story from the Bible? Acts chapter 16. Here it is, from verse 23. This is Paul and Silas. They were having an amazing time of ministry. And then the mob gets involved and they end up in prison. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. They were deemed to be so dangerous. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and he fastened their feet in the stocks. What a glamorous life it is to be a Christian in the early days. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Hey, can I just pause and say that your praise affects other people? That when you praise, other people are watching you. 
How you handle the situation, you have an audience always in your life. And it's not that you should do it for that, but just it's a fact. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And all at once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Your praise can actually be the key to loose other people. Can I hear an amen in the house? Yeah, come on. If you'll praise him, somebody else may get free as well. Paul and Silas did not praise God because God had already showed up. They praised God, and that's why God showed up. They didn't praise him first to get him to come. They praised him, and he showed up and came. It's a real key to your move in your mind. You praise, God shows up. Now, if I can be a bit irreligious for a moment, for those of you who are really worldly, we should have the same kind of attitude as Fat Boy Slim or Norman Cook, the uh, pop song. Well, it's not that poppy anymore. He said, we've come a long, long way together through the hard times and through the good. I have to celebrate you. Now, he says, baby, I'm going to say Jesus. I have to celebrate you, Jesus. I want to praise you like I should. You're laughing at my singing. I have to praise you. I have to praise you. I have to praise you like I should. Presence, prayer, praise. Come on, church, you know this stuff, don't you? But have you ever jumped off and actually done it? When praise becomes a theory, it becomes silent, and that's no praise at all. Until you praise him, it's not praise. You can think it, that's fine, but eventually you're going to have to speak it. You see, the Psalms, often we find the writer in the most vulnerable place, don't we? They're in the pit almost, and then they often move to a place of praise, and God comes through to them. The place opens up when they step into praise. Psalm 42 Verse 11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You've got to start praising God before the answer comes. And when you praise God before the answer comes, your mind moves, but actually God shows up. Have you got a difficult situation right now? Are you kind of saying, God, will you work this out? Why don't you begin to praise him just for who he is, for what he's done? You see, you've got to see, lastly, the perspective that God has. I don't know about you, but we've all got used to drone technology, haven't we? Where we used to see camera work on films where, you, you know, you see buildings. But now, often there are scenes in, in, cam, in films where the drone is showing you the very top of the building. You're looking right down from above. This process will help you look more from above, from God's perspective, Number one, acknowledging his presence. Number two, praying and not taking things back from him. Praising before you get the answer. But then the next step is seeing through the situation and not just the details that might be bad for you. See the whole situation. 
it's going to be key for you to begin to see things the way that God sees things. You don't have to just see what is bad, but also to see also the other good things in your life. Doesn't the psalmist say this? Praise the Lord, O my soul, or my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his... Come on, say it so that the people on the line can hear you. And forget not his. You've got to see some of the other things that God is doing. Sure, we're not minimalizing your situation that you're going through. It's hard. It's difficult. I was so blessed this week to talk to one of our congregation members who's going through something horrible. But she was telling me how much her children were being blessed. You see, she was seeing more than the situation that confronted her. You see, one cow pat in a field doesn't make the field bad. That's wisdom for you right there. You have to begin to see some of the other things that God is doing. I don't know about you, but I can never do those magic eye things. I don't know whether it's I don't have very good 3D vision or something, but I just can't see them. In fact, I think there's a conspiracy that actually they don't really work, and, and they're just telling me that they work. Although one day I did not just focus. I think I focus in too much on the part of the picture that you're supposed to see instead of set, stepping back and looking at all of it and just relaxing, almost seeing through it. In fact, I did see it one time where a train came out and then it was gone and I've never done it since. I wonder if you need to step back, stop focusing on the one thing, there may be two things that are wrong, and and see a wider perspective. Prayer and praise will be your God. But are you willing to also see everything that God is doing in your life? See everything that God is teaching you? Hey, it's a really simple process, isn't it? Number one, the Lord is near. He's here right now. He's in your life right now. Number two, pray. And pray so you don't take it back off God. Pray so you put it into God's control. Number three, praise him. Just praise him. It's not ignoring your problems, but make him big in your eyes, in your heart, in your soul, and in your mind. And number three, See everything that he's doing and believe that he will change things. This process will get you from panic mode to godly perspective. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I just wanted two more things to say, but I just wonder if we could enter a time of worship. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. But you see, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Be alert. Be of a sober mind. Be of the sort of mind that allows God to be God. See everything that you're supposed to see. Stop focusing in on the one thing that's wrong. Be sober-minded. Because the Bible goes on and says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for somebody to devour. That's the reality of where you live. There is somebody against you. There is a spiritual force against you. But if you want to move from this panicking 
This amygdala adrenaline rush that says there's no hope, there's no hope. If you want to move, you've got to start jumping into the process, not knowing it in theory, but actually opening up your mouth and praying, opening up your heart and praying, opening up your your mind and praising, beginning to say, God, let me see everything. And the way that you do that is our theme scripture today is that we understand in Philippians 4 verse 6, it says, the Lord is near. I recognize his presence. I want to say to him, Lord, I know that you're with me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, in every situation, you can pray. I'm going to say it until there's a good amen in the house. In every situation, you can pray. You can do it. Don't let the enemy steal your prayers off your lips. You can pray with thanksgiving. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Tell him what you want. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Prayer changes your mind. In Christ Jesus, see, don't drop your God of prayer and praise. Then your mind will be protected and you'll be ready to receive the faith perspectives that God has for you and what you were meant to see. Move your thoughts and they will move you. We're going to sing some prayer and praise right now. And you sing at home, if you're watching at home, those of you here, would you here on campus, would you just lift your hands with me? Would you move your body with me? And would you just begin to give him, hey, just a 10-second praise blast right now. Come on, just open your mouth, open your heart, open your lips, even if it's only a whisper, and just say, God, I want to praise you. I want to thank you. I give you praise. I know that not everything in your life is worked out. And I know that you have some difficult situations. I get that. My shepherd heart, it, it comes out to you in that. But if you'll be like Paul and Silas and begin just to praise him, God will show up. Come on, church, let me hear you. Holy Spirit, we just worship you. We bless you. We honor you. We praise you. We bless you, Lord. You're holy. You're righteous. Oh, God, we just think you're marvelous. You're wonderful. Everybody at home, give God praise. Come on, maybe let's give him a clap offering right now. Yes, Lord, we worship you. We bless you, Lord.